everybody. Welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire. And all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up, and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey, everybody. I've got May Lynn here today. And, you know, we go back, I don't know, I don't want to say how many years because it's it's been a bunch. Um, I'm super excited to have you here, Maylin. We always talk about hanging out and cooking together, but now I've got you for an hour. So <laughs> just an hour, just an hour. <laughs> it's so good to see you. you too. I just saw you in, in Hawaii for food and wine. So I know. that was fun good to see you face to face. We got to do something fun together again. I miss yeah. the days where we would like do events and hang out for hours and shoot the shit and hide out behind, ca- behind counters and eat other people's food and <laughs> and just giggle. It was it's the, the only way to go. Yeah. You get to circumvent the line, which pisses everybody <laughs> off. But <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to talk about how it all started for you because you you have a different trajectory than most people realize right? You, you started in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. even, you know, not even in Michigan. I mean, you, you moved to Michigan. So what I, I think it's interesting to me because everybody has a different path to get to where they are today. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you took a really unique path, but also at the same time, it was very smart and it was very thoughtful. And to me, I think that says a lot about why you are who you are today. And I think it would be really great if you shared how you made those decisions and and where it all started and what made you want to go home smelling like a goat every day. (laughs) I mean, truly, you know, we do, right? We go home smelling like a goat after a shift. So let's just own it. Totally. Totally. Um, Well, like, hmm, where do I start? Well, okay. So I'm actually, my family immigrated here from China. Uh, and I came over and ended up in Michigan in Dearborn, Michigan, um, when I was three months old. And that was pretty much where I was raised. I mean, I, I just tell people I'm like born and raised in, in Dearborn, Michigan, because I've spent so much time there. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the cuisine in Dearborn is Middle Eastern. And that's also what I grew up eating. So my, I guess like my culture is, it's very broad and I, and I love that. I love that journey that, that I kind of went through and, um, you know, that's, that's just a part of my upbringing. Did your parents ever tell you why they chose Dearborn, Michigan? Was there ever a conversation? Why? Well, my grandpa was already there and, um, he basically brought all of us over and the reason why he was there was because his his few family members had worked for Ford Motor Company. And so okay. that's based in Dearborn, Michigan, um, home of Henry Ford, um, if if none of you knew. But yeah, so that's kind of how we ended up in Michigan. That's awesome. Yeah. So you you said there was a lot of Middle Eastern food where where you were. And, and yeah. how did that affect the decisions that you made, but also... I mean, what was that like? I mean, you 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 have, of course, 
a Chinese background. So you're eating Chinese food. You're yeah. having, you're getting this Americanization of American food every day. And yeah. then you have this Middle Eastern food that's just, just swirling all around you. So how did you, you know, what, how did you navigate through all that? Honestly, I think it was, it, it's just kind of normal, right? Where, you know, at home, I would always eat Chinese food because that's what my parents cooked. And, but then when I go over my friend's houses after school, I'm eating the food of their culture. And a lot of times that was a lot of Lebanese food. And so, yeah, we just eat like hummus and kibbeh and fatouche shawarma sandwiches, like all these different things that, um, was so foreign to me, but were so tasty. And so every time I go home, like, that's what I crave. Like, of course I crave my, my dad's food, but the first thing I go for is honestly a a shawarma sandwich because they honestly, nobody makes it like they do in Dearborn. Like, I just haven't found a place like I live in LA and there's so many different cultures here. There's so many different types of cuisine, but I just haven't had a sandwich like they make it in Dearborn. So what's different? What makes that, what makes it different? I mean, that's actually a really, that's a big deal. Like you're you're throwing something down that is like, (laughs) okay, it's so much more unique there. What is it that makes it so different? I mean, cause you're, like you said, there's shawarma. I mean, you are loaded with shawarma in LA. Yeah, we have a lot of it. Yeah. I don't, there's just something about it. And I think it, you know, I think it goes back to, to flavor memory, right? Like nostalgia. And what I remember is, is just so vivid and I can literally taste it right now. Like the, the super, super acidic pickles, the tomb, the tahini with like the, with like the shaved lamb shawarma, like in a thin, thin pita. But the thing that they do in Dearborn is like, they always, um, they put the pita or the sandwich, the shawarma sandwich in a griddle. So it's literally crispy and like soft and juicy inside. And I just haven't come across a place here in LA that does that. Are you talking like one of those flat panini? Yeah, the flat panini, yeah. That do both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally know what you're saying. And it's like, it's, I just don't know why nobody does that or I haven't seen it anywhere. It's literally perfect. Like that's, that's all I want. That's all I want. Insane. I love it. <laughs> I'm like literally craving that right now. I, I like want that. That's perfect. You know, it like is. I, it's I can totally literally the perfect food. It's the perfect food. And it's so light. And it's so refreshing. It's yeah, and it's healthy. It's healthy. It's so much veg. It's so many different types of vegetables. I love okay. it. I That's love it so much. I, so the trick is, all right, folks. So if you have a shawarma spot, start putting it between a double flat panini press, and Maylin will be there every day. Yeah. Well, also thank me later because <laughs> that's literally the key. That's the key to a great shawarma. You've now heard the new spot that Maylin's opening. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I've, I've, I always joke about that with uh, with one of my other chef friends, um, who he ha- he has a restaurant in DC called Yellow and LB, and um, 
yeah, I'm like, I always want to make a shawarma sandwich. Like, let's just do it. But I'm like, it needs to be, it needs to be the Dearborn way though. Like it has to be in a thin, thin pita wrapped up in a, in between a griddle. Like it has to be done that way. I love that. (laughs) That's that. So from, you know, you're, you're in Dearborn. What was that step? Like, were you working in restaurants at that point? Were you, or just, I mean, I, I I started in a restaurant. I started in a restaurant when I was eight years old. I started going to work with my dad at eight years old. Every single Saturday, my dad had worked for my aunt and um, it was like a 20 minute drive. We, uh, we lived in Dearborn and the restaurant was in West Bloomfield, which is like a, a 20 minute um, car ride in, you know, into the suburbs. And um, yeah, I would start off our day, leaving the house at nine, getting there around 930. 920, 930, give or take traffic. And um, yeah, we start our day. My great aunt would start off my day by making me a BLT. And um, it's a BLT made with Miracle Whip, by the way. And I know a lot of people is, I know a lot of people are going to think that's gross. I just, I don't know with a BLT. I think it's fantastic. Like the sweet, sweet mayo with, with bacon and tomatoes and lettuce. Like, I don't know. I think it's a killer combo hot take. I don't know, but, um, that's how we started our day. And then, you know, just doing side work, um, filling up like the plastic ramekins of, of soy sauce and plum sauce and, uh, picking pea pods and picking pea tendrils, like doing, you know, side work essentially. And that was my, that was every Saturday. And then, you know, when service would start, I would help with, uh, packing out the carryouts. And, um, yeah, I was making quite a bit of money at a really young age, which which was really interesting. Like I made, I I probably made like 40 bucks a day, but then I would get like tipped out by the servers by helping them, um, like pack their, to go like their doggy bags for their guests. So I kind of made a killing as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Was it a fit? Was it your family's restaurant or was it a, so it was my, it was my aunt's restaurant from my mom's family. But then, uh, my, pa- my dad left, um, that restaurant in 98 and my parents opened up their own restaurant in Dearborn. So, and my parents actually just retired earlier this year. So they just, uh, sold the restaurant that we've had since 98. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Were they excited when you decided that you wanted to do this forever? Oh my God. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I, you know, coming from like an immigrant family, um, the last thing that they want is for you to essentially follow in their footsteps, right? Because they came to this country to give you a better life and they, you know, they want you to pursue, um, a career in medicine or, you know, to become like a doctor, you know, to become a doctor or a lawyer and just kind of better yourself. Right. And just not work as hard like in terms of manual labor, but I don't know. I just kind of, this is what I love to do. I love, I love the aspect of hospitality. And I mean, that's, that's that, like, I love feeding people and I love seeing people's faces when they have a good time. And, you know, like, that's what, that's what I love about this industry. 
it's it's instant gratification yeah you know, it you, really you is to, you get to see that aha moment on a guest when they have that taste memory right you have that revelation and i think that's why we all choose it like because it's it's a pretty powerful experience we give taste memories for a living yeah yeah i that's love that cool. you know i'm utilizing my own taste mess my own taste memories to to other people yeah which is really awesome so from there are you like what what was that next step you're like in the restaurant do you gen transition to your parents restaurant and start working there yeah so then i mean by that time in in 98 i was in 8th grade and so i think it was kind of required for me to to work in the family restaurant free labor might i add and um <laughs> of course i'm not like that happy about it and um you know going into high school obviously for me, I, I just wanted to hang out with my friends and, you know, do extracurricular activities and, and do other things other than work in my parents' restaurant. And, you know, I, I did, I did work in my parents' restaurant a few days a week, but then kind of focused on other things, um, school related, but I mean, just being honest, like I honestly just like fucked off in, in high school for the most part. Like, I think my, my, fr- my entire freshman year, I, I pretty much like skipped, which was like, not great. I was just, I never done that well in school. I was a little ADHD. And so I just always needed to do something and like do something with my hands and like, just be active in some way. Me sitting down in a classroom just didn't, it didn't work. I was just always bored. And I'm sure like, that's a lot of how chefs are like we don't we can't sit still we don't do well in classrooms adhd is the superpower for the restaurant world yeah yeah let you focus on 12 things at once that's why you know know. table 21 12 15 (laughs) what cook is not cooking the fish right who's not you know on time with this and what's going on with with the servers and who's at the front door and exactly it's a superpower yeah exactly but um yeah, I mean, going back, like, I I wish I had focused more on doing better in school, but you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I I my parents had their restaurant in high, in my high, like while I was in high school, and um, you know, when it came around to like junior year, I was just like, I need to make money, and my parents are like, yeah, we're just going to give you like a few, bu- you know, like a few dollars, whatever. And I'm like, I need like a real job. I'm like, I need to get paid. So then I started working for my other aunt and my mom just gets pissed. She was like, what? She's like, how dare you? She's like, you don't want to work here, but you'll work for, you know, our other family member. I'm like, yeah, but she pays me. And, um, started working there, packing carryouts and, um, actually had a few other family members work there. So that was really fun and cool, I guess. And then come to, you know, graduating high school. Um, I end up going to college for pre-nursing and quickly decided that I didn't want to do that. Cause that was just not in the cards. I, I, I'm like, just the, just the thought of having to draw blood was making me nauseous and <laughs> I I honestly had like an existential crisis I'm like oh my god what do I do with my life I don't know what I don't know what to do I don't know what to pursue 
And um, the guy I was dating at the time had suggested me going to culinary school. And I was like, what, really? Do you think I, I'm like, really? A chef? Do you think I should be a chef? And he was like, you love to cook. You love to entertain. You love feeding people. Yeah, you should do that. So then I thought about it for a little bit, literally dropped out of college a week later, I enrolled in culinary school and that's, that's that go into culinary school. I actually went to Schoolcraft college in Livonia, Michigan, uh, which was honestly like a really great culinary school. We had a really great program and, um, you know, we had a lot of great instructors, um, Brian Polson was our oh, yeah. was our charcuterie um and butchery professor um yeah we just worked on we, we had a lot of uh, master chefs in in our culinary school so it was honestly a really great it was a really great like hands-on experience and um and yeah that was, before, that was i don't want i don't want to miss this but for yeah. folks out there who don't know Brian Polson is still is one of the forefronts in charcuterie in the United States. He wrote 100%. He wrote an incredible book on the subject and really defined a lot of those procedures that the USDA now understand about working with charcuterie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a master of his craft. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's super nice guy. So, oh my God. So- School is honestly a lot of fun. And I, I loved going, I loved going, going to culinary school. I was actually, um, I got hired roast. Um, my last year in school. You're free and occasionally. What's that? You're freezing. You're going in and out occasionally. Oh, am I? Sorry. It's okay. Okay. Um, so you said you got hired as a host. No, no, not a host. So you just froze in again. Oh, I hate technology. Technology stinks, doesn't it? It's like it's so fun to do this stuff, and it's great because I can see you, but now you're frozen laughing. So um the the woes of technology. It's awesome, yet it stinks. All right. No, no, it's working, it's working on my end. What it's is it okay now? It's just technology. It's fine. Where's okay. we'll, I won't edit this, by the way. So you guys are going to get all the blips and the blurts. So okay. it's more real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're at you're at culinary school, and you said the last I got before you froze like this <laughs> <laughs> was um, and see nobody's going to see any of the visuals. So uh, you had talked about getting hired. Yep. I, um, I got hired at roast, which was Michael Simon's, um, restaurant in Detroit, downtown Detroit. And, you know, I was going, I was going to culinary school at like six in the morning, getting out at one and driving straight to work right after that and not getting out until like one 30 in the morning. So like, that was, that was like on, on rotation. So like, that was like my, my first experience, like in a professional kitchen. And that was like insane. And we were going through a restaurant opening and I've never done a restaurant opening before. And so that was like a really eye opening experience, like just 
getting into a new, a brand new space. It was in, it was in a hotel, but um, it was a part of a hotel. It was one of three hotel restaurants, um, but we, we didn't like do any of the, um, the, you know, the in-room service for the hotel, which was great. Um, but, you know, having to, you know, go downstairs to get dressed and like to get your linens and things like that. Like that was like, so it was so new to me. Um, one of the many things that I remember, which is like really odd. And then, you know, just a restaurant opening, you know, cleaning up dust everywhere, taking up, taking off labels off of, off of Cambro containers, just, you know, just a lot of cleaning and organizing and, and getting prepped up for the actual opening. And we got a ton of whole animals in. And that was so cool to me because we would get like whole goats and whole lambs and we would just like spit roast that on um, on the grill. And that was just so, so awesome to see. That was like my first restaurant job, essentially. I mean, that's a perfect perfect introduction to a first restaurant job yeah i mean i remember when michael michael and i were talking about that being open because that Mm -hmm. was not too long after he won um next iron chef so he was talking to me about that for a while and we were just it sounded so exciting what he was doing it's all wood fire and yeah you know having it's just you know being able to be in that type of environment and i'm sure you were working with powder yeah. <laughs> By the way, Powder is uh, Mike was Michael's corporate chef. He was um, a bald dude that was so white, <laughs> so like pasty white. He got the nickname Powder. Super rad dude. One of the one of the most talented chefs I know. Um, and uh, yeah, that was I remember all of that. I remember that whole time when Michael was opening that and talking to Powder and talking to Michael about all of that. Such yeah. a gorgeous restaurant. It was it was a great restaurant. And I, that was probably one of like the pinnacle, uh, times in my life where I learned so much, so many new things. Um, and it's just the food that the food that he cooks is just honest, good tasting food. You know, I, I, I could probably spit out the entire menu. Like I remember it literally, I, I remember everything. It's insane. Like we did, we did like roasted brick chicken, like to order, you know, like, on like no sandbagging, like no sandbagging at all. Like just cooking chicken, like an entire whole chicken to order. Like, fuck, it's fucking insane. Yep. Yeah. That like was- that's just how it was. And I think that's, I mean, and at that time, which I think is a really pivotal moment because you're in school, you're already absorbing so much and then you're in the process of a restaurant opening right with somebody like michael right Mm -hmm. who is all about not cutting corners who's about using it using it treating it well using it to its best Mm -hmm. you know you're taking in information like with a fire hose at that point yeah and who better to get it from and you know it's like you're getting it from all angles you're seeing it out of the corner of your eye you're getting it at school you're watching the station next to you you got powder you got michael you got the whole crew going on around you Mm. those are those special you'll never forget that menu that menu will be in your head forever yeah it's oh god the food was so good 
I loved it. I loved it so much. But, um, you know, Detroit for me wasn't like the end all be all. I, I knew I didn't want to, I knew I wanted to further myself and further my learning. And um, I knew I wanted to move out to the West Coast. Um, I didn't necessarily know anybody in California besides like my family in Northern California, but I decided to move to San Diego and um, I wanted to work for a chef there named Trey Fauché at George's at the Cove. And I just, I just remember, I'm like, I've, I've, I've probably applied there like 10 times, no joke. And would not get, would not get a call back just because I was so green in my experience. Like I just, I didn't have any experience and they just never got hired. I couldn't even get a stage. Like it was insane. Um, but I'm jumping the gun a little bit because uh, before moving to San Diego, I actually moved to Chicago for a little bit. Uh, I think for anybody living in Michigan, I think like their their trajectory is always to move to a big city like Chicago because it's close. And Chicago is a great city. I love Chicago. Chicago has so many amazing restaurants. And, um, you know, one of my buddies was living there and uh, basically was like, hey, you know, you can you can move down here and you can sleep on my couch um, until you move to, to San Diego. Just like come and fuck around, whatever. And I'm like, OK, I took him up on his offer. And honestly, after one day, I got extremely bored. I'm like, I need to go find a job. So I was just looking on Craigslist and found a listing for a job. And uh, it was for Marcus Samuelson's Sea House at the Affinia, at the Affinia Hotel. Um, I went in for a stage and um, my sous chef actually was uh, Johnny Clark, who has Parachute and Analia in, in Chicago, which is pretty Delicious. fucking I just insane. Ate there right? A couple of weeks ago. It's it's insane. It's awesome. I I I love them. I, I mean I love him and uh and Beverly. And it was just it's so weird because even like during that time at Sea House, like Justin Yu, who has um a few restaurants in Houston, like he was working there. He was a line cook there. There's just so many great people who came out of that kitchen. Um, and that's, I mean, that was really, really fucking awesome. And so I did a stage and I got hired and I worked there for a few months, just, you know, letting them know that, you know, it's, I'm only going to work here for a few months. I plan on moving to San Diego, but I want to get some experience. So I worked behind the bar at, um, at, at the raw bar. So the raw bar was in the dining room and, uh, you know, so many things come out of the raw bar. So it was a really great learning experience on that front. That's a good hit. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's it was so a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Chicago was great. I mean, I was just like a young kid who just moved from essentially a small town in Michigan. Dearborn's not that small. I just call it a small town, but um yeah moving to a big city like Chicago I wasn't necessarily like shell-shocked but it was definitely a um an eye-opening experience for sure those those big leaps are always I think the 
the most poignant. They like mm -hmm. set you up. Like if you're willing to take that big leap to the big, you know, what people say, oh, you're moving to the big city. Yeah. There's a reason why they always, people always say that because it <laughs> is a big shock, right? Even yeah. though you may live in a big city, it may feel like a small town to you. Mm -hmm. Going someplace completely new, whole new feeling, whole new, you don't know your way around. You don't know anybody from Adam. It, it changes you. It yeah. prepares you for anything. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I like to call Chicago and like a hybrid of, of LA and New York put together. Yeah, I think, you know, I, man, I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> Chicago fan. I love going there. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, I get stuck every time I go there, I just go and hang out with Paul and um, it's, you know, somebody said it really well. The weather keeps the assholes out, you know, yeah. they're really hot in the summer, really cold. Yeah in the winter it's, it's true but everybody's so hospitable and the hospitality industry is just so welcoming there mm -hmm. um i've never seen anything like it it's it's that it's the midwestern vibe it's so rad everything mm -hmm. about it is rad mm -hmm. i could go there tomorrow and have a blast i know exactly <laughs> where i would go i know where i would eat you know it's it's always yeah. chicago is a, is a great time i i always love visiting and i always I always think back, like, that's probably a place that I'll probably end up. Like, I love it so much. And it's so, it reminds me so much of home without being home. In close a sense. enough to home. Close it's enough, close enough home. to home. It's close enough to home. But yeah, I, I love it there. I love it there so much. And I don't mind the cold. I honestly don't. I actually prefer the cold. I don't know. People are like, what, what are you doing in LA? But yeah. You know. <laughs> don't I, stay for too long your blood will get too thin it'll get the cold will get you i mean it, it gets 65 degrees and i'm cold it's pretty now, it's now laughable it people laugh at me and i'm like you get used to it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's true you know yeah. i grew up in new england i mean just used to get frigid and now i live in you know northern california and it everybody's like it's cold out. I'm like, yep, it is. I can, it, I will say that it's cold. And my family back home is like, are you kidding me? It's not cold. This isn't cold. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that's my Chicago life. I left and uh, worked in San Diego for a little bit. Uh, San Diego was, I stayed there for about a year. I ended up working um, a retail job as well as a hot, as well as a restaurant job. I, I worked at uh, a place called True Lux. It's kind of like a Joe's Crab Shack, like a fancy Joe's Crab Shack type of place. And, um, you know, just worked raw bar, garmage, just, you know, working on getting fast and doing things right. Um, it was a little bit of a corporate job, which I wasn't really like excited about because I really wanted to work at George's. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't, I was really bored in San Diego. San Diego was really slow. It's a very slow pace type of town. And I, I was kind of exploring Vegas because Vegas to me is, I wouldn't necessarily call Vegas exciting, but Vegas to me was where a lot of great restaurants were a lot of great chefs were who have great restaurants there um 
and the industry was, I mean, a lot of people were kind of just gearing towards going to Vegas. So I explored that option. I, I did a few stages and uh, ended up um, working at Spago in Vegas for Eric Klein. And that was probably one of like, that was the place I, I truly learned how to cook. Um, Chef Eric taught me how to cook. A lot of, he takes a lot of care into teaching young cooks um, the, the fundamentals of how something is done and how something should be done and what the correct way of doing things are and really instilled consistency. Cause I think as a young cook, you want to, you want to do, you want to do things. You want to learn new things. You want to do new things all the time and pretty often, right? Like, you know, we're, we're running this dish for X amount of time. You're like, okay, I'm bored of this dish. Like, let's, let's do something else, chef. Like, let's put something new on the menu. But he always, he always just instilled, like, you know, you have to, we just have to be consistent. We have to, if we, without consistency, we don't really have much. So, you know, I learned a lot of that from him as well. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's really funny, like working at a lot of these restaurants. And um, that was one of the things that were constantly being tossed around, like consistency is key. And as a young cook, you don't really think about that because you constantly want to do new shit. I think that's a really, you know, the fundamentals, consistency, technique, practice, mm -hmm. you know, over and over again, those, I mean, that's the basis of what we are mm -hmm. right? and we're going to continue to do that for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times, um, you know, you get a, a somebody in and, and they're like, well, I want to do what you do. No, you don't want to do what I do. Cause what I do is I have to do the ordering and I have to do the dumb shit. I'd rather do what you're doing, which is, mm -hmm. you know, cooking, plating, picking herbs, you know, mm -hmm. those are the Zen fun moments, not the, nobody enjoy. I mean, I don't know. Do you enjoy ordering? Do you enjoy sitting in front of a computer? No, no, not at all. And I, I think enjoy doing the, the, the thing, you know, what we signed up for. And I think there's that definite thought process that, you know, well, once I get to that point, I can do whatever I want. Well, mm -hmm. you still can't do whatever. I mean, you can, but you still be held by those things that need to be done. Yeah. When you're cooking and you're focused just on the cooking, like you get in that flow state and it's just so awesome. Like yeah. that's my favorite time. Yeah, it truly is. And, you know, it's, it, it's just funny because Vegas to me was, um, I mean, I had fun in Vegas. I'm not my, I'm, I'm sure you know, my personality, I'm not necessarily like a partier. So I didn't like love Vegas for that. And there was just like a lot of that around you at all times. I mean, it's 24, seven, four hours, it's 24, seven. So I lived there for a total of two years and um 
I think I partied. I, I think I like went out to the club maybe like three, three times out of my entire like two years there. And that was only because like friends from out of time came, came in and we're like, oh yeah, let's go party. I'm like, okay, sure. And it was, it was weird to me because it was just not me, but I, I, I really loved, you know, I really loved working at Spago because I think it was also just kind of like a, an interesting work schedule, right? Because we, he had all the cooks on, on four tens on like four 10 hour days. I and so you really had like three day, you know, three days off a week. And it, it was like fun for a while, but then I'm like, I want to work more. Like, I just want to, I just want to be in the restaurant. Like I want to learn more things. I was always that person to come in super early before everybody literally prep out my station and then prep out other people's stations. And, um, like that was fun for me. Like it was just a constant competition at, at all times with your peers and, you know, who can get this done the, the, the quickest, the, you know, like who can do it better constantly. And it was, and I love that type of competition because it, it really, it humbles you in a sense. I don't know. I mean, it boils down yeah. to practice makes perfect, right? Yeah, I just don't see a lot of that these days. You know what I mean? Like that type of, and that's like healthy competition. I do. When I can tell you when when I was cooking, it was you knew that somebody was leaving, or you knew that the opportunity to work grill station was coming up, and it would be. Mm-hmm feverish yeah it's gonna get it so okay i'm gonna do my prep i'm gonna make a soup special today and i'm gonna do staff meal better than you and it became a game like you said it becomes this game jockeying for position attention does Mm -hmm. chef notice me does the sous chef notice that i'm going above and beyond yeah because you want that responsibility of whether it be moving to saute or moving to grill or becoming entremet or saucier. And I think those that created a feeding frenzy of education across the board for everybody, because then it just, it just built this environment of like friendly competition. Yeah. Best. And what that, what did that create the most cohesive line ever? Mm -hmm. Right. When somebody was in the shits, you could jump on their station and help them and then vice versa, right? Yeah. No. I think I think for me, like being being Tornot was like incredible because you knew every single station. Like that is the most, that's the position that is just like looked up, like, you know, like looked up on like, oh, this person knows every station. If there's a call out, this person's going to work, you know, like, so I, I, I mean, I got the opportunity to, to jump into that position and you know whenever there was a call out i you know i'd be the first to be there and happily because that was what i wanted to do i wanted to be in the restaurant i wanted to work i constantly wanted to work and you know if it was like you know vegas is is heavily based on um like the business of conventions and things like that in certain seasons and you know certain times of the year is a little bit slower so you know you would you know, the cooks would get cut and I'd be like, no, I don't want to go home. Like, I want to work. Like, I want to constantly work. I just remember an instance of like, okay, well, like we don't, you know, the sous chefs are going to work today. It was just going to be like a three sous chef line. And I'm like, I can't stay. Like, 
I can just clean. I can just go do other shit. So I never wanted to go home. I always wanted to work. I just loved being in the restaurant, being in that like hustle and bustle environment of like constantly shit going on. Part of the ADD. I know it's bad. It's bad. It's bad, right? it's It's the, it's that want for frenetic chaos free mm-hmm. to focus on so many other things yeah and in that and that's where you thrive you thrive in chaos it's I love chaos <laughs> <laughs> chaos without drama is great chaos <laughs> with drama not great exactly exactly <laughs> pull the drama out and we're totally fine <laughs> so you are in vegas for two years where next so i'm in vegas and um you know my tail end of Vegas, I, I did a big trip to Europe. I did a back, I did a backpacking trip solo for six weeks in Europe. I went to, to France, Germany, um, Spain, Italy, and, um, kind of just did my own thing. I staged, um, in Paris for about three weeks at Jean Robuchon and got a lot of great, got a lot of great experience there. And it was pretty fucking awesome being able to be in that kitchen and obviously not knowing a word of French, except for maybe the, you know, the food terms was, was really interesting because maybe one other person spoke English and it wasn't that well. So it was, uh, communication was tough, but you can communicate with food or through food. So I feel like, you know, food is just the universal language Like you can always communicate through food which was an, an amazing thing. So did that. And while I was in Europe, I actually, you know, through Twitter, saw that Michael Voltaggio was opening up Inc. And that he was- doing Never that. heard of that guy. Who is he? Oh, you know, just 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 a guy who won Top Chef. Just a skinny you know. tattooed guy. Won. Yeah. Got a um, brother who cooks too, I heard. <laughs> exactly. The whole family that cooks um how crazy yeah. is that? <laughs> but saw but saw that he was hiring and um he was doing like an open call thing in LA and I was in Europe at the time so I was like oh shit like I'm not gonna be able to make that so I was kind of bummed out and then later on as restaurants do they get delayed and he did another you know another open call type of thing at the restaurant and I was already back at the time. So I actually drove, I drove out to LA and just had to, to have like an in-person interview, got hired. And then I moved out to LA in the next week, the next two weeks. And the restaurant had already been open for three days. And so I was just missing the actual opening of the restaurant. So I like to say I was there from the from day one or day three. A lot of people came through there. A lot of people came through there. That's where I met you. That's where I met you. Yeah. That's where Sammy Knuckles was. And that's yeah. where Dougie was. Dougie Rankin. Oh, yeah. A lot of people. Cole. Yep. It's a big group of people went through that restaurant. Yeah. A lot of, honestly, I feel like for me, the the opening team was such a strong team. 
such a strong team. A lot of different, a lot of different cooks coming through there with a great pedigree, working in incredible restaurants. I mean, just learn, you just learn so much cooking with other people too. And that was, it, it, it was, it was a hard restaurant opening because obviously we all saw Michael on Top Chef, all saw the things that, you know, the, the type of food that he was cooking. And it was just a little foreign to a lot of us, but we wanted to learn what, what that type of cuisine was about. And we were just like fully immersed in that. And it's, it was, it was a bit of a learning curve because you never, never used hydrocolloids before. Barely knew what that was, especially during that time when it was just like, you know, the, the, the new hot thing. And so it was, it was a hard opening for me, at least to say the least. I mean, it's a totally new world from where you came. Yeah. You know, and I think that was what, that's what drew everybody to Michael was because he was pushing boundaries of what everybody knew. Yeah. And I specifically remember, you know, he was like putting different, like all these different um, flavor combinations together that you honestly don't think that would work, but they worked. Like one thing that really sticks out is he had this like kale salad on the menu. And that's when like, you know, the kale was all the craze. The kale revolution. Like, yeah, exactly. It was like a chiffonade kale and it was cryovac in, in yuzu juice. And no, I'm sorry. It was cryovac in uh, extra virgin olive oil. And then there was a, uh, a squash preserve. And then there was like burrata spheres with like a pumpkin seed praline. I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, how do how do any of this shit make sense? But then when you eat it, you're like, oh, oh, this is really, I'm like, I get it. I get it now. Cause you're, you, you don't want to believe or you're like skeptical, but I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is, this is awesome. Like, this is where I work. I'm like, wow. You just take a lot of pride in that, you know? When you're caught off guard, it makes you realize, mm -hmm. you know, that whole aha moment, right? You had the aha moment when you were taking it from the fire hose at, yeah. you know, roast. And now you're, again, you're taking it from the fire hose at a new restaurant because everything's anew. Yeah. And it was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Like, you know, uh, Doug, Doug was the opening sous chef at Inc. Cole was a chef de cuisine. Uh, Sammy was actually on, like he was after my time, but yeah, like it was just, it was a crazy, crazy time. Crazy a time. A lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I remember eating there with my son. Yeah. <laughs> with oh East. my God. He was so young. He was so little. Yeah. So little. We go see uncle Michael. Yeah. Uncle Michael. <laughs> yeah. I remember you coming in one day and um, you guys were fucking around with the, with the pasta machine. So I don't think maybe Michael didn't know how to use it or something. Oh, making we were extruding noodles. Yeah. We were extruding yeah. noodles together. Yeah. 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 That was, that was a really cool. It was cool. the, it was, I specifically remember what it was too. It was because everybody, the natural thing is to put salt 
right? Everybody's intention is to use salt. Yeah. Don't put salt in extruded dough. Mm-hmm. It's a brittle. Yeah. And it gets stuck in the in the dye. So I mean, it was one yep. of those common things that we all think we need to do, but we and we're not supposed to do that. That's yep. why they heavily, heavily salt the water. Yeah. So I remember that. I was like, I think you got grains of salt in here stuck in the <laughs> in the dye. Yeah, stuck in the dye. Oh my god, those things were. There were lots of fun. They were fun. Yeah, they're you get used to them after a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're fun. I love it. So you're at Inc. And and how many years were you at Inc.? I was there for three years. Four years. Four years. Sorry. Four years. Four That's years. a long stint. It's a long time. It was probably the longest I've ever been in a job because I had moved around so much prior to that. But I think that's really four years mm-hmm. is a lot of knowledge. But that's also a lot of, I like to call it the microchip experience, right? It's like that person you're working with for four years. It's like, I'm sure now you can replicate a Michael dish. Oh, yeah. Right? In my sleep. Exactly. Well, yeah. Like, And that's what I like to call the microchip program right? The person that works for you for so long, they can Mm -hmm. finish your sentences. They can finish the dish before you get it out of your mouth, or they know the direction you're going, which I'm sure freaks Michael out when you show up at battles, but. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's a, that's a powerful thing. I think people don't realize that spending an extended period of time with somebody that, that mentors you through technique and, and, and training pays its dividends for a yeah. long time it really does I, I i learned a lot i I learned so much working there it was just so many d- different techniques so many different ways honestly it was just a lot of thinking out of the box like we made all of our jus in pressure cookers whereas like at spago we make all of our jus in like in sauce pots and it'd be like long and slow. Whereas at Inc, it was short and fast, you know, like just super short, super fast. And it, it, it just makes you think in a different way and how you create a dish. So I really appreciate all of that type of knowledge from working there and working for Michael. Because he really makes you think about things in a different way it makes you question tradition it makes you question practices and techniques but the but thing I that, think that it, first and foremost you have to know the fundamentals before well, that's what i was just about that. ready to say is because for folks who don't know michael trained at the Greenbrier, mm-hmm. which is a pretty heavy duty training process um, and it's all based on fundamentals and classics mm-hmm. so i think knowing your techniques, knowing your history, knowing the classics allows you room to bend. If you don't know those, don't start bending. Right. You can't bend the rules if you don't know the rules. No, no, honestly. And I I think that, you know, obviously we had a lot of like new cooks who started at Inc. And that was their first ever job, which is great. 
But I think that not having any prior experience was a little bit of a detriment, uh, you know, for them. For the long they, haul. Yeah, because that's that's all they saw and that's what they knew. So like, it's a little bit of like backtracking, you know, like how do I, how do, how do I, you know, what, what's a, you know, what's a mother sauce? Like why, why are we making, why are we making hollandaise in a, in an ISI when you should know how to make it over a double boiler, whisking it by hand? Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And Just, I think that's a really great point because yeah. if you can't do it, what happens when you run out of cartridges run out of chargers you're screwed right you yeah go to, you go down to get you know down to the local sex shop and get whip it canisters to fix your problem it doesn't always work right yeah. and i think there is there is exactly what we're talking about know your basics mm -hmm. and build upon them right mark miller was my first real employer and he said if you don't know your history you can't create future yeah yeah and I think that that applies to everything, right? It's just like running. Just because you run around the block with your dog a few times doesn't mean you can go run the Boston Marathon next week. It's hard. You got to train for that. You got to train. And same thing, it's just that training. And I think it's so interesting to, to like, Michael makes you think. Mm -hmm. He made you think. And I think that's freaking cool. Yeah, it was really awesome. Really awesome. How was that like, so you're coming from cooking traditional Chinese food with your family, right? Mm -hmm. And you have this experience at roast and you have Brian Polson, you know, you know, pushing traditional charcuterie and all this information into you. I mean, you're starting to get like this library of information pushed into your brain. And, and now, you know, you're four years at Inc. Like, where's that next stepping stone? that next stepping stone was, was doing top chef. And that was really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. I mean, I think that for me, I, I, I don't think that, um, food TV was never something that I wanted to pursue. I think that it, it sort of landed on my lap in a sense, you know, I was, um, Someone had signed me up to do the show. Um, actually, Michael, Michael's PR at the time signed me up to do the show because it was um, they were they were holding auditions at Scarpetta um, in Beverly Hills at Scott Conant's. And um, she was like, you know what, just go and uh, try out for it. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I don't know how Michael's going to feel about that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do it behind his back type of thing. She was like, you know what? Just go for it. If you don't get a callback, whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm like, uh, sure, whatever. Went in for the interview, obviously, you know, spewing off where I work and stuff like that. People were like, oh, okay, cool. And I got a callback. And then you know how that, interview process works it's just like interview after interview after interview and it just it, it got so far that I was like fuck I, I have to I need to tell Michael and like just depending on like on the day I was like I didn't know how to like you know I just didn't know how to tell him I'm like oh god like how do I how do I tell Michael 
and my my co-sous chef at the time was like oh you should just be like oh hey you want to hear a joke and I'm like okay that's a terrible idea and I definitely don't want to do that during service but like if you go up to your chef and say hey shoot can we talk later it's always a bad conversation right like you know it's going to be the are you quitting yeah (laughs) are you quitting and he was like I was like oh so he was he was just like okay just break it to him like oh hey you want to hear something funny and I'm like okay fine I'll do it that way so literally you know service is dying down a little bit and I'm like hey chef what's up and he's like what I can't he's like what and I'm like you want to hear something funny and he's like what and I'm like oh um I I might I might be on top chef and he was like what totally caught off guard he was like holy shit he was like seriously and I'm like yeah and he was like that's awesome when do you go and I'm like what the fuck that was just like something that I did not expect to hear I was I was expecting to hear like I don't think you're ready I don't think you should do it I was expecting to hear that honestly but his he just had he was just very supportive in the process and was like, let me know what you need, blah, 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 blah. Where are you at in the process? And just really kind of guiding me through that, which was awesome because I I can't say that for a lot of people, you know? And that was, um, that's called respect. Yeah. And a mentor. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a lot of fun. Oh, I I do have to say that experience was really awesome. Met a lot of great people. Um, G, you know, Gigi, we love Gigi. He's fucking awesome. Dougie, yep. Melissa King, you know, like those are probably like the core. You know, George Pagonis, like those are like the core people I probably talk to, um, on a regular basis to this day. And it's just it's it's such a, I don't know, it's like. You kind of it's like trauma bonding right mm-hmm. like you go through this like insane process this insane thing that is a this culinary competition and um i don't know it's 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 so fun and so weird at the same time but such a great experience it's an intense you know i i think for you it was different than it is for for what I dealt with, because we, you guys were in lockdown, no music, no books, no phones, no outside contact. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. You were dead silent. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and you know, the, that's why the interview processes are so intense because they want to make sure you're not going to lose your marbles when you're in. (laughs) Oh, and the psych, the psych test too. We had to go through an extensive psych test and yeah, I mean, if you didn't pass, like that, obviously you don't get on the show. So it's um, I, I, it's just like such a weird thing. I mean, just the process alone was just so interesting, and I think that the process alone, having going, having gone through that, I think is enough of a test to say that you can get on the show. Oh yeah, you know, weirdest challenge of the whole of show for you. The weirdest um one that like oh god i mean probably cooking cooking at the cheers bar oh that was a cheers i grew up with cheers man i love that (laughs) 
you kidding? That would be a dream. I love that. No, but it was it was it was I the kitchen was just really weird. It was just really weird. Yeah, because it's and it were, three stories. You got the downstairs, and you yeah. got the two stories above. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I've been in that place. I've had many a pint down there. Yeah, I, I do have to say though, like Boston was really fun. I mean, we had a we had a lot of cool challenges. We went to a lot of cool places. I mean, we did a challenge at Fenway. Yeah. Which is like who who can say that they cooked at Fenway? It's pretty it's awesome. The big green monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Top chef. Yeah. I mean another trajectory, yeah. Yeah, that's like that's like that. And then and then right after that is when you, Dougie, and Gigi and I started hanging out more. Mm-hmm. at at uh, feast in portland we would do yep. events together and just kind of bopping around and seeing each other all over the place which was great because yeah. dougie reached out to me when he got asked to go on oh like, really yeah what do what do i need to know what do i need to focus on what do i need to do yeah like, focus on you being you mm-hmm. right and cooking no you're cooking just cook just know how to cook focus on the cooking. Don't yeah. get the drama. Don't get caught up in the drama. Right. That's the number yeah, one thing. Exactly. Michael said the same thing to you. Don't get caught up in the drama. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, my, it wasn't necessarily a strategy, but like, I just kept my head down and just cooked like people causing the drama. It, it was almost like, all right, let's get out the popcorn and just like watch. eat and watch, watch it happen. You know, I was just like, okay, I'm just staying out of that. Well, that's, you know, isn't it what they say in the military? Keep your head down as the bull- the bullets fly above you. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. just let, them go, let it go above your, don't, don't deal with it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not about winning every battle. It's about winning the war. Yeah. Exactly. I think we had a challenge like that too. Yeah. It's, we had that challenge too, yeah. Yeah. It's there. Everybody's got their moments on that. Like it's powerful. So what, so talk about what that was like. I mean, I'm sure your parents were just completely overwhelmed by it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then you're thrown into this media frenzy, mm-hmm. which is a lot, right? Media requests, you know, this and that. And it's it's becomes, it becomes an all-encompassing situation after that, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a interesting thing to go through. Um, honestly didn't know what to expect from from that I think what I heard like talking to a lot of my peers you know you know doing top chef they were just like you know if you win it's kind of like a gift and a curse depending on who you are depending on what kind of personality you have and for me I am a very introverted person and so I just I was like holy shit okay I don't I I have no idea what I'm getting myself into um so I think at the time it was a little bit of a curse because I didn't know how to I guess take take all of that in and I mean it's a learning process you just you know take it as take it as it comes and you just learn from it and you do what you you know do what you're asked to do or you know don't learning to set boundaries i think is a key is a key thing which we don't at that point 
you can't don't think about that. You don't yeah. think about that. The answer is usually just yes, because there's so much being thrown at you nonstop. Yeah. You know, I never had media training. Did you have media training? No, no. It would have been nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, like I just, you know, obviously be yourself and like, just be cordial. Yeah. Oh, like that's 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 essentially that's essentially like what I what I did you know and um obviously I mean it's still weird sometimes like and it top chef is I mean it's it's been on for a long time it's going on its 21st season so I mean the I mean it's it's a big brand it's a big brand and to be a part of that is is honestly it's an honor it's yeah. it's really cool. It's really cool to be a part of that that lineage. It's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to continue to go on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's made careers. It's broken careers. It's done a lot. I mean, I think it's it's yeah. a really it's opened the public's eyes to people the all over the country yeah. and to the industry as a whole. Right, mm-hmm. without. Top Chef, you know, I think the, the the food knowledge and education that the consumer and diners have would not be yeah. the same as it is today. Yeah. I think without Top Chef, you wouldn't, there wouldn't be as many food competitions out these, this, to, you know, these days. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That was, that was like the, the stepping stone. The catalyst for it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's... And they're still coming. <laughs> There's more. Coming. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Sometimes more than than there needs to be, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So that happens. The explosion, right? Yeah. You're traveling. I I think in one in one one nine month it's about in nine months i think i saw you in eight different cities at one point yeah yeah this... we were we were both traveling a lot at that point mm-hmm. for work but yeah. i mean we were bouncing into each other at food events and dinners or or i would be cooking dinner and you'd show up and i'd be like where the hell how did you know i was here i mean and we would do that vice versa and i think that's what really is you know, there's a connectivity in, in our industry and there's people who gravitate towards each other, gravitate towards, um, like-minded, I like to say, right. Like-minded people. And I think it's really interesting. You were just, you were on this just meteoric rise and you still are. And I think it's, what is the now for you? I mean, you've now done, you know, Bobby's, what is it? Bobby's beat down or <laughs> Bobby's triple threat. Yeah, that one. Sorry. I, I don't I can't remember them all. <laughs> I don't even watch TV anymore. I watch like weird stuff. So you got that. You won tournament of champions. Yeah. That was fucking insane to say oh, yeah. the least. I, I, I did it. Picky Diner. That's the machine. I renamed it Picky yeah. Diner. Yeah. It's um it's a beast of a competition, I would like to say. It's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's nothing like Top Chef. Like, I, I think it gets compared a lot. Like, like, oh, what's harder, you know, Top Chef for TOC. And I say it's, it's different. You're in a different environment. 
it's a different type of competition and you're forced to really think on your feet. It's quick fire challenge every day. It's quick fire every day, but it's like quick fire, but it, it, parameters. It's, <laughs> but parameters. Yeah. But the parameters are, I mean, I think that, um, it tells you what to make. The picky eater tells you what to make, yep. you know, for the most part. And so I don't know. I just, it, it was just, it was weird. It was so weird. And, and of course, like your first ever time being on that stage and being on that arena, it's just so nerve wracking because you obviously, you don't want to be the first to go home. Nobody's and that's the same for the first to go home anytime, 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 anytime. Anytime, any competition, nobody wants to be the first to go home. And of course, like it was the first time being on the network. So I, I just kind of felt like I had something to prove and I, I don't know. I just, it worked. It worked. I don't know. Just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard though. It's very hard. So what's now what's going on now? What What's going on now? Well, now I have Daybird, which is my um, Szechuan fried chicken concept or hot chicken concept, and I want to I want to open I want to open up more of those. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Thank you. But yeah, like I I want to open up a lot more of those and expand um, throughout the country, if not, you know, more in California alone. So we'll see, we'll see where that takes us. Cause I, I really want, I feel like that's a, it's an approachable concept that can, can reach the masses, you know? Yeah. And, and it, and it's fucking delicious. So that's what matters. Good, It's good. It stays crispy. It's like, you can get it however hot you want, or you can just get no spice at all. You can really pick and choose however you want it prepared. Have yeah. it your way. Is, isn't that what Burger King says? Have it your way? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Have to get you a crown. Yeah. I'm not going to steal their slogan, though, so. <laughs> Spicy as you want it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's a lot coming from you still. I know there's more. You're just not telling me everything, but that's okay. I know you well enough to know that. I can see it on your face. <laughs> there might there might be something happening soon. Um, but don't yeah. let everybody wonder. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's Surprise. Good exactly. Yeah. All right, let's play a game. You ready for a game? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Coffee or tea? Tea. Milk, no milk. No milk. Pancakes, waffles. Waffles. Butter on no butter. On no that butter. waffle. No butter. Meal no yogurt. Yogurt. Style of yogurt. Um Greek. Or actually, no, Lebanon. Bacon or sausage. Oof. Damn it. I'll go sausage. Chicken duck. Duck. Beef pork. Pork. Quail squab. S squab. <laughs> Hot dog hamburger. 
Hot dog. Ketchup. Mustard. Oh, man. I'll go ketchup. Taco burrito. Taco. Pasta noodles. Noodles. Ravioli dumplings. Dumplings. Raw oysters. Raw clams. Raw clams. Lobster crab. It depends on the crab. Okay, which one? Uh, Harry or or King or Dungeness. I don't love blue crab, but I like a soft shell crab. <laughs> you just don't like okay. the work. You don't like the work of the little. I don't like the work. Of the- <laughs> let's just put it to. Let's be honest, okay? That's what really what it boils down to. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'll work. say crab. So I'm, I'm saying crab. <laughs> I'm saying crab. Have you had the crazy spider crabs? Oh my god, they're so good. You need a fucking ball peen hammer to break the shell. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. Actually, I have a photo of um it was Michael, John Shook, um, Helen Johansson, and, and myself who went down to uh, Baja like years ago. And um we're in Ensenada on the beach and we're we're literally eating ceviches and stuff and this dude literally pulls out a spider crab from from the ocean we're like what the fuck it looks insane it's like an insane version of a king crab yeah bigger and harder shell oh you need a ball peen hammer to crack the shell it is insane i was like oh my god but the meat was so delicious oh my some of the best we grew up with them on the east coast we have them all over the east coast they're just not as pretty Right, because yeah. we get all the, the the seaweed and stuff on them. Man, they're so good. All right, now I lost my thing. Oh, there we go. Sea urchin caviar. Caviar. Meatballs or sausage? A meatball. Pizza style. Bar pie. Wow, haven't heard that one yet. That's a you're a first on that one. You got I mean, a first. <laughs> well, D- Detroit style too. I love Detroit. But that's just like, it's so different. It's so different. They're so different. The, of the spectrum. Red wine, white wine. White. Light beer, dark beer. Light. White spirits, dark spirits. Dark spirits. Favorite sparkling. Um, Ava, Prosecco, Champagne, Lambrusco. Lambrusco. Ice cream, soft serve. Gelato. Gelato. A cup or a cone? It depends on the cone. Sugar or styrofoam? Styrofoam. <laughs> it's nostalgic. It's the nostalgic. Isn't it crazy that we say styrofoam, which is yeah. a form of plastic? <laughs> Think about that. How fucked up is that? Wait, what is it called? It's like it's a cake cone, right? Is it called a cake cone? I've always I've always known it as a foam cone. Yeah, I call it a styrofoam cone, but I think it's a I think it's a cake cone. I don't know, man, but it's kind of gnarly that we call it a styrofoam it's cone. It's so fucking good though. It's so good. They have their I time. Want... What's that? They have their place. Yeah. Like especially like with saucer. I know people are gonna fucking call me out on this, but like I don't even want the ice cream. I just want I just like smash the ice cream down and I just want to eat the cone with a little bit of ice cream inside compressed compressed yeah. soft serve right in the yeah. cup 
Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. I don't know what it is, it, but it's delicious. Well, part of it is I think it was made because it doesn't sog out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Chocolate, fruit. Fruit. Honey, maple syrup. Maple. Favorite candy? Um, Anything gummy in gummy form. I'm a Swedish fish guy. I want to send you some Swedish fish. Guilty pleasure. Just anything bad. Fried. <laughs> fried things. Fried things are always the best. Last meal. Last meal would have to be Hainan chicken. All day. That's awesome. So Maylin, if they want to find you in the in the social world, what is it? Um, if you want to find me in the social world, my IG handle is at Maylin21. That is the same on Twitter, TikTok. You do TikToks? I don't. I have one, but I don't use it. I can I just been doing a dance on TikTok next week. I, I, I don't do that. I don't even know how to dance. To be honest, if you want to see me act a fool, you could probably, uh, but I do that when I'm drunk, but that's hardly, hardly. So it's a, it's a rare sighting. I would, I would like to say. Yeah. So at Malin 21. There you go, folks. Make sure you go see her at Daybird. It is so good. It is a hundred percent worth it. I was in LA and made a specific Uber trip just to go eat there, which when then we went and had dinner. (laughs) (laughs) But I had to make a beeline for it. Maylin, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chef. Thanks for having me on. It was always good to see you. Always good to see you too. I can't wait to see what's coming next. (laughs) Thank you.